Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You ready to get into the Word tonight? Amen. Praise God. Go with me then to James, the fifth chapter. James chapter 5. I want to go back to the theme that I've ministered on uh, several times on Wednesday nights in the last uh, few weeks when I've ministered, when Angela hasn't been ministering. And uh, in James chapter 5, in verse number, let's start in verse number 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick, save or heal the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and, excuse me, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then go with me over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Ephesians chapter six. And let's look at verse number 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice that the Apostle Paul here talks about prayer in general, but then he specifies the prayer of supplication. And so I've been talking about uh, that uh, the last couple of times I've ministered on, on Wednesday night. And I want to go on, uh, on the same theme tonight and talk about the prayer of supplication and then move on over into the prayer of intercession. Uh, one comment that I've made recently is, is I believe that... Uh, the, the word of faith camp, in other words, churches like ours, people like us who have been uh, schooled in the, in the message of faith and the prayer of faith, I know that, let me back up and make another statement, I know that God raised up the message of faith for this generation, uh, for these end times that we live in. I was raised in an environment where we, we were Pentecostal people and full gospel people, we've, we said we believed in the whole Bible, you know, and, and that simply meant that we believed in all the experiences they had in the book of Acts. And so, you know, we were kind of, uh, you know, really uh, not in a bad way, but sort of, you know, proud of the fact that, that we, we believed it all. But we really didn't understand how miracles happened and how people got answers to prayer. So a lot of people received answers to prayer, but a lot of people didn't. And uh, the people who did receive answers to prayer, the people who did see miracles, very often, those, most often, those miracles and those answers didn't come through the prayer of faith because we weren't taught how faith worked. I've given my testimony of my grandmother who was healed uh, when she, uh, in middle age, when she had cancer 
and uh, had been given up to the, by the doctors to die. She had withered away to, I mean, she was literally a, just a skeleton with skin on her. She weighed, you know, less than 90 pounds, 80-something pounds, and she was not a big woman to begin with, but uh, I knew her, you know, as, as uh, when I uh, came along and, and, you know, she had been healed of all that. And, you know, she wasn't a, a, a large woman, but she wasn't a tiny woman either. And at this time, you know, she had lost down and she was like 80-something pounds. And God miraculously healed her in a church service one night. She went to that service where her son was preaching. and uh, Or, no, excuse me, her brother was preaching. And uh, he was a healing evangelist. And he called for people to come up in the prayer line, the healing line. And in her terrible condition, I mean, she was just in, in, in so much pain and and the doctors had, had called the family in before that, the, the weekend before that, and said, you know, if you want to see your mom again, you need to come see her because she doesn't have very many days left. And uh, she was just in a pitiful, pitiful condition. And uh, she, she struggled and made her way over to the, to the prayer line. And while she was in the prayer line, the Holy Spirit came on her. She just had the, the anointing come on her, and she responded to that and began to dance in the Spirit. And while she was dancing, and she, you, know, you, you couldn't even imagine her doing that with, in her condition. She was just so weak, but, but she gave the effort. She began to dance in the power of the Holy Ghost, and she was completely healed while she was dancing. She never had hands laid on her. Uh, she was completely healed that night. Now, it took a, a little while for her to get all of her weight back, you know, because that, uh, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. Didn't happen for us, did it, overnight? And uh, uh, she, uh, she was completely and miraculously healed, and uh, she had all of her bodily functions restored. Everything that the cancer had destroyed was completely restored. It was just a real miracle. Well, see, that happened as a result of her yielding to the Holy Spirit. That was a special manifestation of gifts of healings in cooperation with her obedience to just yield to the Spirit and respond to the moving of the Spirit. And so we had a lot of testimonies in the church that I came up in. A lot of people had been healed of different things. But we had a lot of people that, that didn't get healed. And the reason they didn't get healed is because people didn't understand the message of faith. The, the ones who were healed were healed by special manifestations of the Holy Spirit, uh, gifts of the Spirit, or maybe somebody came through that had a healing ministry that was specially endowed, you know, with, with uh, uh, the ability and the, and the healing power to minister to the sick. And so those things happened. But as far as learning and knowing how to get it on your own every time, uh, we weren't taught that. And so I thank God for the message of faith. Uh, it's revolutionized my life, my family, my home. Uh, uh, just everything about my life has been affected by the message of faith. But I think that uh, uh, because of this, because of we, we've emphasized faith so much that people have forgotten about the other kind of praying. And a lot of times, are you out there tonight? This side over here, just say, praise the Lord. All right, okay, you're here. What about you guys? They're more here than you are. Say, praise the Lord. All right, glory to God. You guys are all right. You don't have to say anything. Praise the Lord. No, uh, they knew something about uh, other kinds of praying. They knew something about praying the prayers of supplication and intercession. You notice in, uh, go back with me to, to James again. James chapter 5. 
Notice he said, in, in verse 13 where we started, he's talking about the individual's responsibility, their own responsibility. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Now this is, this is a little bit different because he had already said, is anyone among you suffering? Well, if you're sick, you're suffering. He said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Uh, but then when he talked about the sick here, the idea is those people who are so sick that they, that they can't really come to church. And that's why he said, call for the elders of the church and let them go and minister to them. This is really not what we practice sometimes, you know, in the church today where people come and they want the pastor to pray for them in the church. These are people who are so sick they can't go to church. Let him call for the elders of the church. That's the pastors of the church. Let them come and pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now notice what it says in verse 16 then. Confess your trespasses to one another. Well, this is not, this is not confessing your sins. We confess our sins to the Lord. This would be confess your faults and your shortcomings as they relate to one another. Don't be so proud if you, if you uh, do something to offend your brother, go to him and confess that. Confess, confess your shortcomings. Confess your, your trespasses. In other words, go to the person that you have trespassed and confess that. Then he said, pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, now he had already talked about calling for the elders of the church and, and being prayed for that way. So this must be something different. He had already talked about, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. So this must be, he, you know, God's not just, you know, just saying things over and over again so we'll have a bigger Bible. He's, he's talking about different things here. So in verse 16, when he says, uh, pray for one another that you may be healed, he's talking about a different approach to healing. I, the first time I, I got enlightenment on this, uh, Dad Hagen talked about one time where he was holding a, a meeting and a lady came in and she was actually uh, uh, a high-ranking official from another country. They had heard about Brother Hagen's healing uh, ministry and so this other uh, head of state of this other country flew his wife to Tulsa and because and they called the ministry ahead of time and, you know, see if that's okay, you know, will you take care of her? And, and uh, because she was, you know, she, her husband was like at the top of the government. And uh, she had terminal uh, illness. I think it was cancer, but I'm not sure, but it was terminal. And uh, she was in very bad shape. She flew to Tulsa. And uh, she came in and, and Brother Hagen said he, he didn't lay hands on her. He said he, instead, he was especially led to have the, the uh, it was during prayer and healing school, healing school at that time, you know, it's mostly students and some people from the outside. And so he said, uh, I'm gonna call a special time of prayer. 
and I want us to meet here at, you know, at a certain night and we're going to pray for this lady's healing. We're going to pray for her. Not lay hands on her, but pray for her healing. And so the, the, the student body there that, that attended those meetings, they came in and they prayed and they began to make supplication for her and pray earnestly for her. And God miraculously healed her. I mean, she was completely restored to health. Uh, I remember uh, then another time in our church, the Lord dealt with me about the same thing. For, for anybody remember Raleigh, Wally Redwine? Wally was, uh, if you weren't here you know, at that time, he was a, a, just a tremendous uh, saint and wonderful man. And uh, he had, uh, he was always a man that was real strong in faith. I mean, he just, you know, he believed God and, and had a robust faith. And, but he had had a stroke. And he was in the hospital. He'd had this stroke. And, and the part of the, of the damage to his brain was at the brain stem. And uh, usually when that happens, you know, you lose all uh, automatic uh, body, bodily functions like heartbeat and lungs and all of those kinds of things, those, those uh, impulses. And uh, he had something called, he had a, an effect called chain stoking. And I think I mentioned this not too long ago. I'll mention it again. And this particular syndrome was named after two doctors, a Dr. Chang and a Dr. Stoke. And so they called it chain stoking. And what happened is uh, he, would, he would breathe a couple of times and take a few breaths and then all of a sudden he'd go. And then he would, you know, his, his brain uh, wasn't communicating and his, his heart would stop, his breathing would stop. He just, he just, and you think, well, that's it. You know, he's gone. And he'd just lay there a few, few moments and all of a sudden he'd go, <gasps> and then he'd, he'd take a breath and his heart would start beating again. And, and he would, he just did this, you know, just hour after hour. And uh, the doctors say, you know, when this happens, this is just, uh, it's just a matter of, of a few hours or a couple of days. This person is not going to make it. You don't recover from this type of brain injury. And, uh, and I remember uh, that weekend, the Lord dealt with me to call a special uh, time of prayer just for him. And so we church gathered together on a uh, whatever night it was. I don't know if it was a Saturday night or one night. Every, you know, everybody who would come, a large group of people came, and we just prayed for his healing. And, uh, and, we, and we made supplication, earnest, heartfelt prayer for him. Well, see, now that's, faith is involved in every kind of praying, but that's not the prayer of faith. That's, that's the prayer of supplication. We're praying the prayer of supplication in faith, but it's not just this. Like I've said so many times before, the prayer of faith is a simple prayer that you pray primarily for yourself when you know the word of God, you know what belongs to you, you know what promises to stand on. And uh, like uh, several of these people tonight have talked about, they just claim something that belonged to them and God moved in response to their faith. That's wonderful. But the truth is the prayer of faith is not supposed to be the only kind of prayer we pray. And the prayer of faith, if that's all you know how to pray effectively, you, you won't walk in full victory. But for the reason, uh, it's not that, that things don't belong to you. But let's, let's just say you have a need that crops up in your life and you know what the scripture says and you know what belongs to you and so you pray the prayer of faith. Well, there may be something going on behind the scenes that you're not aware of that has to be dealt with in the spirit. 
Well, if you just pray the prayer of faith in, in uh, I, I remember something uh, Lillian Yeomans used to say. She said, if, I, if I've ever prayed one time for something and I don't get it, then I change how I'm praying. There's no need to just, just forge on in the same way. Now, I understand that, that sometimes the full manifestation takes a while, but when you're in faith, you know it. When you're in faith, you know it. And uh, so she was talking about times when she prays and, and she's not making that connection. Then she changes the way she's praying. And uh, there are times when the prayer of faith will not carry the day, even in your own life. So there are times when the prayer of faith will not carry the day, even in your own life. Sometimes you have to make supplication because there are some things in, that's going on in the realm of the spirit that you're not aware of that God has to deal with. You say, well, why couldn't he just take care of all those things when I claimed my answer? Well, he could, but he doesn't always work that way. We need to be led by the spirit in our praying. And so what I started to say when I first got up here and I kind of went around about a way to get to it is in the word of faith, Circles. I think we have, have uh, really forgotten about these other kinds of prayer and so we're not always seeing the victory we ought to see in a local church like this. There, there are things that are not happening, people that are not getting, uh, are not being ministered to because we forget about these other kinds of prayer. And we're thinking, well, faithful, faithful just carry the day every time. Well, it doesn't necessarily. If, if faith would carry it, then we wouldn't have these other kinds. He had already talked about the prayer of faith in, in verse number 15 in conjunction in, in connection with uh, uh, the laying on of the hands of the elders. But here he said, confess your trespasses for one, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now let's not leave Wally in the hospital, okay? Uh, we prayed that night and I don't know if it was the next day or possibly the day after that. Uh, it was on a weekend and the weekend crew you know, said their goodbyes to the red wine family because, you know, they're going to be gone for two or three days. And they testified later they did not expect to see him. They, they thought they'd have an empty bed when they came back. There was just no way he would survive. But we prayed, I think, the night before, maybe two nights before this happened. And uh, that morning, uh, uh, what was her son's name? Mark. Mark Redwine was sitting in the room with his dad and all of a sudden his dad was doing that, going through that same uh, scenario, you know, of breathing and then not breathing and breathing and not breathing. And all of a sudden his eyes popped open and he, and he started talking. He said, Mark. And Mark said, yes, yes. Starts, he was completely healed. He checked out and I don't remember if, he, if it was the day, next day, I think they kept him a day, kept him a day. But within the next day or two, he went home from the hospital. They discharged him. And on the way home, he stopped at Lowe's or Home Depot, one of them, and bought a garage door opener and went home and got up on a ladder and installed a new garage door opener. <laughs> well, that, that came about not necessarily because of the prayer of faith, but this, using this other application. I tell you, we, we have to be led of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, word of faith people have forgotten about or, or never knew even about some of these other kinds of prayers that some of those old timers knew. They didn't know about the prayer of faith, but they knew about some of these other kinds and they were getting some results. Well, we have to have them all. 
Amen? So the prayer of supplication, we've identified it, and you know what it is. Prayer of supplication is a heartfelt, earnest prayer, like it says in, in uh, James chapter 5. Uh, it's not casual praying. It's, there, there's a sense of, of urgency and fervency. When somebody's at the point of death, there's, a, there's a, 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 a sense of urgency about that. Isn't that right? I pointed this out that in Matthew chapter 9, go over there with me. In Matthew chapter 9, sometimes we read these verses, but if we don't dig a little bit, uh, some important things slip by. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus went about all the cities, in verse 35, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. Now the ordinary word for, for prayer that's used so often in the, in the New Testament is uh, the Greek word that's count, is, is pronounced prosuke, prosuke. That's not the word that was used here. The, the word for pray is not the common. If you just read in your English Bible, you just think he's saying just pray. But it's not the common word for prayer. It's the prayer, it's the word for supplication. It's, just, it's the verb form of the noun that's used for supplication. So really what he is, he is saying here is therefore make supplication to the Lord of the harvest. Well, when you make supplication, this, this word that's translated pray here, that's the verb form of supplication, some of the other ways it's translated, in the older King James, it was translated beseech. In the newer New King, King James translation, <clears throat> this word that's translated pray here, it's really the, the verb form of, of supplication. It's in other places, both in connection with prayer or in, in other uh, connections, it's translated by the word implore, urge, or beg. So you can see that this is not just ordinary. This is not casual praying. So when it comes to praying for the Lord of the harvest, he said that this is talking about fervent prayer. This is talking about uh, imploring of the Lord, uh, urging the Lord. There's a sense of urgency to it. And so often we see scriptures like this and we say, well, we're gonna pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. And so we pray a little simple prayer for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, but we're really not obeying the scripture because we're praying too casually about it. We really don't sense the importance of it. And because we don't sense the importance of it, we don't pray with fervency. And this, this especially, the, this Greek word means to pray with fervency, to be serious about it. There's so many things that we need uh, to see happen in the body of Christ that are not happening. And it's, they're not gonna happen unless the church learns how to make true supplication. And we'll talk about intercession uh, in a few minutes as well. Go over with me to Colossians chapter four. Colossians chapter four. I'm believing God that he will raise up real prayer. We used to use this word prayer warriors just for uh, a lack of, of another term. In other words, raise up in this church a band of people who really make praying a priority. Really make, 
Really make praying a priority. Learn to, to get into these deeper places of prayer. And uh, in Colossians chapter 4, in verse number 12, uh, Paul was talking to the church there and he said, Epaphras, who was a man in the church, he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ or a servant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And here was a man in the church. He was actually a missionary that had brought, evidently he had brought the message of Christ to, uh, to this city and, it, and was instrumental in establishing this church. We get that from, from a, something that Paul said earlier in the first chapter. But uh, he was a missionary, he was a minister, but he was a part of the church, but uh, it doesn't look like or sound like he was the pastor of the church. He was just there in that church when he wasn't out ministering other places. And it says that uh, he, he labors fervently. Now, when Paul wrote this, at the time he wrote this, Epaphras was with Paul. Paul was in prison at the time. And Epaphras was with him. And so he's sending his greeting to the church. He was one of them. They knew him, but he had traveled to be with Paul to offer Paul support and to encourage him. And it says that he always labors fervently for you in prayers. Well, again, this isn't, this isn't casual praying. I think the older King James says that he's striving. He's always striving for you fervently in prayer. So this, again, is talking about uh, earnest, heartfelt prayer that goes beyond just mentioning someone's name in prayer. A lot of times we do that. We say, Lord, bless so-and-so. And, and basically, all we're doing is just kind of saving our conscience that we at least prayed for him. And, and there's, no, there's no heart in it. There's no, there's no, we don't, we're too busy so often to really give ourselves to prayer. And the church lacks because of it. Here was a man who was praying for this entire church. And he was laboring fervently for them in prayer. Why? That they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. He was, he was praying for this church body that as a body, they would go into the fullness of what God had for them. What do you think we need that today? Do you, do you think we need people in the church who will give themselves to prayer? Well, like I said, uh, I think maybe the last time I ministered, very often the reason people aren't praying that way is because people are in a hurry. You know, our lives are busy. But you know what? On, right on the other hand, we make time for the things that are important to us. We really do. You know, we, we don't have any less time today than, than we had 25 years ago. We still have the same 24 hours a day. The problem is, is we try to cram so many things into it that aren't important. And we allow other people to impose things upon us that are not necessarily important. You, can, you might as well say amen, but you know it's true. There's a, there's a lot of things in our, in our culture that's constantly vying for our attention. I'm not going to ask you just to raise your hand and answer this. How much time do you spend every day on social media? You didn't used to because we didn't have social media. Amen. 
How, how much time do you spend doing things that you've got in the habit of doing that are just an important part of your life that it's really not important? It's become important to you, but it's really not producing any, any lasting results. It's really not producing any kind of eternal results. Well, again, we do, and we make time for the things that's really important, things that are really important to us. And the reason we don't pray the prayer of supplication more like we should, and I, I said this last time, it didn't go over real big then, it probably won't go any be, over any better tonight. We don't, we don't pray the prayer of supplication because we just don't care enough. You just really don't care enough. But, you know, in order for people to stand in the perfect and complete will of God, you know, it's, it's, it's someone's, it's their own responsibility. Whether you stand in the perfect and complete will of God for your life is your responsibility. But how many of you can testify that you're thankful that somebody helped you in prayer? Not a one of us would be here if it wasn't for someone else helping in prayer. When I was a backslidden teenager, when I was still living at home, my dad had been killed when I was, when I was young and, and, it, and it turned me, it did something because people, everybody told me, well, you know, God took your dad. And, uh, and, I, was, and I didn't understand those things. I was only 11 years old, but as I got a little older as a, as a uh, teenager, 13, 14 years old, uh, I had seen several of my uh, relatives, aunts and uncles, die of cancer and one thing or another. And then uh, my grandfather, was, uh, was he had Parkinson's disease real bad. And uh, he, we lived in Jacksonville. He came over to Gainesville and uh, submitted to, at that time it was an experimental surgery. It's pretty common now but they, they were just learning how to do this. They went in and operated on his brain and they went in and, and I'm a layman so there's probably a lot more to this that I don't understand but for the way I understood it at that time, they went into his brain and they, they killed a nerve or did something in his brain that controlled the shaking and if I remember right, if they did it on the right side and it stopped all the shaking on the left side and it was successful. He came when, you know, when he recovered from the surgery, all of his shaking on that side, whichever side they did first, uh, had completely stopped. Well, you know, uh, it was experimental, so they went in then after he recovered from that surgery and did the other side. But the problem is when they did the other side, they did something wrong, and he never was himself again. He was in, he, he never, uh, he was conscious, but his brain was never right again. And, you know, you'd go into the hospital and talk to him, and they eventually moved, to him, moved him to a nursing home. I don't remember how long he survived like this, but it was several months. But he was in a nursing home. You'd go in and talk to him, and he'd say, now, my dad, you know, had died several years before this, and his name was J.B. You'd go in and talk to my grand, granddaddy, and he'd say, yeah, J.B. Was, was by here today and came to see me. Well, not really. Uh, he had died several years before. And so, you know, he would, he would just laugh and he, he was like a little child and uh, talk about things, you know, that weren't current, you know, as if they were. He was in diapers. Uh, and then, you know, he just, he, he, he was like that for a few months and then his health began to deteriorate and, and he died. And that just really affected me because then again, people said, well, you know, we don't know all, we, we, we just don't understand all of God's ways. 
Sometimes he doesn't choose to, to heal us. He just chooses to take, chooses to take us home. And I, I remember getting more and more bitter over that. And then somebody, my grandmother on my, on my, on my uh, father's side, my grandma, she died. And uh, she, had, she was healed, the same one that was healed of that uh, incurable cancer. She lived quite a few more years, but she died of heart disease later. And, uh, and I loved her and I loved my granddaddy. And, uh, and I remember telling my mom, and I was probably a junior or maybe a senior in high school, and I, re- and I remember telling her when my, when my granddaddy died, I said, you know what? If this is the way God treats his children, I don't want anything to do with him. I'd rather just make it on my own and, and be out there on my own than have a God that does these kinds of things to people. And so I, I was, you know, I was, I was uh, bitter as a, as a teenager, and, but I was responsible for that. I, that was a decision I made. I could, have, I could have humbled myself and said, you know, and, and gone to the Lord and said, no, God, help me. But I wasn't living for God. So I was my own problem. Nobody was my problem. I was my problem. I, like I said, I could have humbled myself. I could have sought God. I could have gotten understanding. I mean, the same Bible that I'm reading today was, was, was you know, was still was the same Bible then. But I, I, I wasn't seeking God. Well, in order for me to get where I am today, somebody had to pray for me because I wasn't going in this direction. And I remember my mom, uh, I, I, I would, I would uh, stay up late at night, even, even during the school year. I always stayed up late. I liked to watch the Tonight Show. That was the last thing I watched before I went to bed. And it went to 1 o'clock in the morning. It went from 11.30 to 1 o'clock at that time. And I would always watch that. And then I would put my headphones on and listen to, to rock music on the stereo. And every time I'd take those headphones out, off or, or turn something down, I would hear my mother in the bedroom and praying in other tongues and calling my name. And it used to make me so mad. It just made me think, leave me alone. I, I, I didn't want her praying for me. But you know what? It didn't stop her. She, I, I, I'm talking about night after night after week after month after month. She prayed for me. And I could hear her. And I, it's not going to work, Mom. I'm not, I am not, not going to serve the God that kills his children. I'm just not going to do it. And, you know, I, I didn't still for a while. I left home at 17. My wife, you know, Angela and I got married. I moved out of my mom's house and moved in with, with her parents for about, uh, I don't know, one or two months. And then we got a place of our own. And, I mean, we were just, just teenagers. I was 17. She was 16. And, uh you know, I made a lot of wrong decisions, but my mom kept praying. And it wasn't casual praying. It shocked her when I told her I was the first of our kids that ever said anything like that. We came from a Christian home, a devout home. My sister and older sister and brother and my, had a you know, younger sister, and uh, they would have never said anything like that. And I'm sure it shocked my mom. I'm sure it broke her heart to hear me say something like that. I'm going to reject God. I don't want your Savior. I don't want the Lord. And, but you know what? She, it, it, it stirred her up. She saw the seriousness of it and it stirred her. She said, well, that was your, that was, you know, you were her child, certainly. Yeah, but 
I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I know parents, I've seen parents right here in this church that don't pray for their own kids. Not with any urgency. There's no sense of, of urgency or, or, or they just kind of make excuses for their kids. Kids are not living for God, going the wrong way and, and they more or less uh, uh, help them. You know, just brag about how, you know, the things they're into that are not of God. Well, you, you obviously aren't praying for them. I'm telling you, in order to see results, people, we need to pray. And, and, if, and, and people are not going to make it if we don't pray. I find myself awakened a lot of times in, in the middle of the night. And, and, and I won't even know what it is, what it, who it is that's on my heart. Sometimes I find out after, after I pray for a while. But I'll just be awakened with a, with a burden to pray. And I just, it, and it doesn't keep me up all night. I still get a good night's sleep. I'm still refreshed when I get up in the morning. You know, if I, I guess if I stayed at it for hours, you know, I might be a little, little groggy when I wake up. But uh, I've noticed this, that if you'll give yourself to prayer, God will not ruin your life. He won't. God is looking for people who will make themselves available and he will use you, but he won't, he won't violate your life and, 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 like I said, ruin your life and take all of your time. You'll still be able to enjoy life and get everything done. God knows all of our lifestyles. He knows that, you know, uh, I can get up in the morning and spend like I normally do two or three hours with the Lord. I, I do that regularly every day. Well, most people can't do that. I understand that but you can do what you can do. And when it comes to prayer, it's not just something that, that's for the minister or the preacher or, or somebody like that. It's God wants all of us to be available to pray. My mom wasn't in the ministry, but thank God she took the time to pray for me. I know my dad had prayed for me. You know, I, I don't remember him praying for me. I just know he was, a, he was a godly man, so I'm assuming he prayed for me. And I'm sure as a parent... Uh, most of most parents, their Christian parents, pray for their kids at some point. So I, I, I'm sure he did, but I, I don't have any record that he did what my mom did. And and when you think about it, what's really remarkable about that is my dad was a very, uh, very consecrated, very devout, very respected man. Uh, I mean, he had it together. I can say this now: my mom's in heaven; she can't get mad at me now. Uh, my mom did not have it together. She was a mental case in a lot of ways. I mean, she was, she was off her rocker. She really was. She had a, a severe case of depression that made her do some, just some crazy outlandish things. She was tormented by uh, evil spirits that, that tried to torment her about her salvation, that she wasn't saved. And she, you know, I mean, she had a, she had a, a lot of areas where she was not right but she knew how to pray. And the only kind of praying she knew how to do was praying, in, was praying in tongues. I would hear her in that bedroom, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, and every so often I'd hear my name. I'd go, stop it, leave me alone. But you know what? She kept praying. 
And, and, and because of that, I mean, I, I stayed away from the Lord, you know, just it really didn't take that long. It seemed like a long time at the time, but, but looking back, I was only, after I, after I uh, got out of high school, I mean, I, I completely submerged myself in that countercultural lifestyle, and I was, you know, using drugs and had a, you know, small drug business where I sold drugs, you know, and uh, I wasn't like a big-time drug dealer, but to people I knew, you know. And I would buy enough for myself and then to sell to others. And I'd make just enough so I could have drugs free, you know. And uh, so I had, a, I had a full-time job while I was doing this. I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it because I thought it was cool. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that didn't last very long. I was 20 years old when I got back into fellowship with the Lord. So, I mean, her praying just, just and she kept, I'm sure after I left home, I'm sure she kept praying and she had more reasons than ever. She looked at my lifestyle. And I was really doing everything I could during that time to completely separate myself from my Christian upbringing. I was reading everything I could on, on uh, any kind of philosophy that denied Christ. I, 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 I bought books and gave them to other people that refuted Christianity. And I, I still have people that today are away from God because of the material I gave them. So, I mean, I was really fighting, but my mom, kept, I tell you what, if it had been up to me, I'd have probably been dead a long time ago. But because she made fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer for me, it wasn't the prayer of faith. She didn't really understand a lot about faith. Uh, she did learn some before she you know, when I got back in the fellowship of the Lord and started going back to church, I started learning about faith. I got a hold of Kenneth Hagin's material pretty soon after I started coming back to church. And I realized, well, this was what was wrong all along. We didn't know how to believe God. We, we, thought, that, we thought God was doing all this stuff. I found that it wasn't. It was the devil. And so I was able to give her some material and she started learning about some of those things. But you know, when you go one direction all of your life, it's, it's a little hard, you know, and she still had some, some uh, emotional issues. But what I'm saying is, uh, in order for us to see God do what he wants to do, it's gonna take prayer. Amen. And like it says here uh, about Epaphras, he labored fervently for them in prayer. That, that denotes some effort. That denotes some suffering. And, and, and to be honest with you, when you get over in the realm of the Spirit sometimes, in one sense, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. But in one sense, there's some suffering that goes involved. It can be hard for, for a little while whenever you get over into that realm of prayer where you take someone's burden upon yourself and begin to, to, to make supplication and then intercession for people. Now, I wanted to get into this tonight, and I've already run out of time. Next, next time we'll talk, we'll start out talking about the prayer of intercession. Intercession and supplication are not the same, but very often they go hand in hand. Just like, you know, the fingers on your hand, you very rarely do anything with one finger. If you grab something, it's a coordinated effort of all of those fingers working together, now, even if you write something. And so uh, uh, prayer is like that. A lot of times uh, to be effective in prayer, you're using several different kinds of prayer together. So we don't identify them to make them, uh, to, to get technical so that we, you know, can have the right definition for all the different kinds of prayer, but rather to make us aware of these different kinds so that we can cooperate with
Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we'll see you soon. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.